0: morning, everyone. Welcome to God's Host for Worship today. <clears throat> Here we are in a world of takers and givers. And the operative word in our lessons for us today is that we would be givers. Daniel's a giver, and we're going to see that in the sermon coming up. Paul, in Romans 13, teaches us to be givers. Give everyone what you owe him. And the Lord Jesus himself teaches us to be givers, too. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. May we be givers like that. Order of service is found on screen and in your worship folder. Let's begin at this time with our opening hymns, hymn 616. Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we, we confess, confess our sins God is faithful and, and just and will forgive us our and sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, God gracious Father, I am and sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment, both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, so govern the nations on earth and direct the affairs of this world that your church may worship you in peace and joy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is from Daniel 1, and it serves as a basis for the sermon. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead to these four young men. God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem by the kindergarten and first grade. Second lesson from Romans 13. Let everyone be subjected to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from Fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel this morning is from Matthew twenty-two. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be O Christ. Please be seated for the hymn. name of the one who rules everything in the name of Jesus dear fellow believers you know what really would be the greatest conspiracy and the biggest conspiracy of them all it's not whether Fox News and CNN are biased and slanted they are they're run by sinful people you know what really would be the biggest conspiracy of them all is if God was biased And if God was slanted, the biggest conspiracy would be as if God set us, his people, up to fail, up to lose. And if anybody was under pressure to think that, to think that God was somehow, had turned and was somehow evil in some sort of way, it would have been Daniel. I mean, snatched like a slave from his homeland rounded up and herded off to Babylon with with a number of his other contemporaries. He lost his homeland. He lost his friends. He lost his loved ones and family. And he gets over to Babylon and the first thing the government does to him is lord their power over him and play some psychological games with him and they change his name. They change his name from Daniel, which means God is my judge, the true God, To Belteshazzar, I don't even know if I know what the entire thing means. It basically honors the pagan god Bel, which was one of the Babylonian gods. And so every day as Daniel's over there, and they're not calling him Daniel, they're calling him Belteshazzar, they're ultimately giving glory to this pagan god Bel with Daniel's presence. And then, and then they force him into education and learning stuff that he probably never would have been interested in back in Jerusalem and Judah, they force him into the Babylonian literature and language. They force him to learn Sumerian. They force him to learn Akkadian. They force him to learn their poetry, their history, all of this stuff that, you know, when the kid raises his hand and says, is this going to be practical for me somewhere down there? You can imagine maybe Daniel had those thoughts in his own mind too. And he goes over there and he's forced to serve a pagan king. He's forced to serve a corrupt government. And then, of course, Daniel was taken captive in 605 BC and hauled off into exile. I don't know if you understand what happened about 20 years later. 586 BC. The very government Daniel was serving at that time, they sent their military over. To Jerusalem, because Jerusalem in about 588 didn't want to pay its tribute anymore to Babylon. And so the, the people back in Jerusalem rebelled again against Babylon. And so they demolished Solomon's temple. Now keep in mind, Daniel's over there in Babylon serving that government. And, and the government he's serving destroys the temple of the name of the one true God, the one place he chose on the whole face of the earth. And they also destroy the city walls so that Jerusalem would never rebel again. I mean, it just boggles your mind. Does Daniel know what he's doing? Does God know what he's doing? He sets Daniel up in this position. It's almost like God just completely set Daniel up to fail. Why doesn't Daniel rebel? Why doesn't Daniel revolt? Why doesn't he at least do what Jonah did and give God a little bit of a piece of his mind and prayer or something and at least resist in some kind of way? I know plenty of people in my lifetime who would like to do that to their government. I know a lot of people who, when they see sin... When they see something, an institution, function less than what they think it's supposed to, that they think that gives them an out, and maybe even throw it out. So a wife cheats on her husband. I've seen it in ministry. The couple gets a divorce. And the husband comes in my office after the divorce is finalized and says, I just just have no confidence anymore in this institution of marriage. Uh, Because of what happened to me, because my spouse went bad, and and because of this whole drama and thing, I just can't trust God with this institution of marriage anymore. And so the person went, because of sin, personal, obviously, they want to throw the whole thing out. Terrible. The the lack of trust that happens. Or how about when a pastor sins against a prisoner? It's not the kind of sin that disqualifies from ministry, but because it's a sin that happens and it's personal to you, you know about it, and it just bugs you. They're supposed to be better than that. They're supposed to be the pastor, the leader. They're supposed to be the servant of the Lord. And so, pastor did this, I can't trust him. I can't trust any of them. They're all corrupt and sinful. Throw the whole ministry out. And while we're at it, because they're all sinful, why don't we just throw the whole institution of church right on a, out the window as well? A lot of people are today. Do you go to church? Do you, do you, do you have a religion? Well, I don't believe in organized religion anymore today. So many people are claiming that. They've thrown the whole thing out. Why would God ever choose sinful people to be in these positions in the first place? Well, as long as we're throwing out institutions, tying it in with our lesson for today, it rolls right on over into government. Do you realize what the confidence level in the United States government was back in 1963? Nearly 80%. It's just a little bit less today. Do you know what the confidence level in the United States government is today? If the stat that I saw was correct. Anybody take a stat? Uh, you're close, but it's, it's 16%. 16%. Clearly people are looking at the government and saying, "Ah, what I'm seeing is I'm not like it. And the temptation then is to say this whole thing is corrupt, led by sinful people, just just throw the whole thing out. But what do you see with Daniel? That's not what he does at all. Daniel is somebody who completely submitted to his government. And as you look at what he did, he's not just a pretty face on the outside, a handsome guy, as our text says. He's just got this beautiful, godly heart within inside of him that God has shaped. And even though he's from the upper echelon of Jerusalem and Judean society, and so he's nobility and maybe even used to the refined and finer things of life, how do you see him conduct himself over an exile? He's a servant, and he's humble, and, and so he hasn't lost his, his roots and his grounding. And, and even though he's, he's lost everything, he's sacrificed so much, he's lost his homeland, his people, his friends, uh, and he was in his mid-teens when he was taken, probably 15 or 16 with these other guys. And he has every reason to be upset and to gripe and to complain. You don't see that. You see somebody who's so positive. Somebody who's a learner. Uh, somebody who's an achiever. And, and he goes after these studies. Now, now, he could have done it half-heartedly. He could have, he could have gotten a C, a C plus. In his, but you see him intensely pour his heart and soul and effort into these studies that were probably electives again that he never would have chosen, and he he vigorously, rigorously pursues these things. He doesn't throw this corrupt Babylonian government and kingship out the window. He submits to it. He serves it. He gives to his government. He gives to Caesar what is Caesar's. He gives to Nebuchadnezzar, in a manner of speaking, what is Nebuchadnezzar's. And he faithfully goes after it. And you never see him anywhere in his life say, Lord, you've set me up to fail. But based on his actions and the narrative of Daniel 1, you see Daniel say, Lord, you set me up here and you put me here to follow you faithfully. And I will. But there was one tense spot. And it still stands out to me as something just incredible when you read Daniel 1. Wait a minute, Daniel. You're willing to go through a horrific name change and have people ridicule you day in and day out with this godless pagan name? You sacrifice so much. You're willing to endure disgrace. You're willing to study things and pursue things. And God bless them, of course. All of this stuff. But the one thing, the one thing you dig your heels in on and you won't tolerate is this plate of Babylonian food from the king's table? I mean, this is the finest stuff that any common Babylonian would have loved to have. This is the ground that you're going to stand and you're going to buck this? What in the world is going on here? Well, it goes back to the Old Testament. God was very, very specific with what the dietary laws for his people were supposed to be. And on that plate of Babylonian food was all kinds of food that God said no This is not the kind of diet I want my people to eat. And Daniel understood this. So uh, understand, two things are going on here. Daniel sacrificed and sacrificed and endured disgrace wherever it was just on him. Wherever it meant he could give it up. On the other hand, the one thing that he could not ever and wouldn't ever do is, when it came to the word of the Lord, that's no longer on him. This is something God said. And so Daniel's taking this personally, and he's saying, in my conscience, I just cannot compromise what my Lord has told me. This is his word. And so Daniel felt conscience-bound to honor the word of the Lord and stick with it. But, But now he's in a tough spot. He's in a pressure cooker position. Because he's got a plate of food, and if he turns his nose up at this food he's going to dishonor the servant, the attendant who's giving it to him and it's going to cause waves in a diplomatic little crisis here or on the other hand, he's going to compromise and he's going to upset the Lord whose word he is conscience-bound to follow. What does he do? Has God set Daniel up to fail? Absolutely not. And Daniel never saw it like that. Instead, you see him come up with a recourse. Can we do this? Can we do something different? Test me for 10 days. Just check this out. I still desire the best for my government as well as the best for my Lord. I'm going to try to honor both with the best of my ability. And yet, today, I still hear even from people here simmerings on how God sets us up to fail with his teaching. They're so restrictive. Oh, shucks. Yes, I go to one of those churches that they practice closed communion. And, and I, I'm not sure on this. I'm, I'm very sheepish on this. I feel bad about it. Well, no, that's God's word. You want to study it? Let's plan a time to talk about it in the office. We'll, we'll look at God's word. And, and, and you'll see right there, this is what he says. And this is the best diet then for his people. Oh, my church practices the roles of men and women, this this very traditional thing, and so they only train men to be pastors. Yeah, that's correct. But that's also because that's what the Word of God says, and that's what the Word of God teaches. And again, if you're wondering about it, you can look at God's Word and study it. It's a great study. But this is what God has determined is best for his people. Who am I to say anything different? Oh, yeah, my church is one of those that... I, I, I know all of my friends are doing it. I, I know they're living together before marriage. My church is so traditional. They would say that's wrong. So let's just not tell the pastor. But We'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll just kind of let that slide under the rug here. And then he'll marry us. Because they still believe marriage is between one man and one woman till death do you part. So it's got some good stuff going for it. This is God's word too. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. And God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Do you know what anybody here who thinks differently is? Do you know what anybody who thinks they know better and does different than God's word, do you know what that is? That's the real conspiracy today. That's the real rebellion, not against some earthly government. It's against God's eternal one. To go against the word of God is a conspiracy. Daniel wanted nothing to do with that. Christians who trust the word and treasure it want nothing to do with that. And yet we've all been there, haven't we? That awkward feeling of tension between the plate the world is serving up that sometimes looks mighty delicious and the word of God that God has set before us to stand on with both feet firmly planted. And for sinners who have been there and for sinners who have been timid and compromised their conscience and compromised the word of God and doubted what God's truth has said and how he wants to lead us. You need to hear about a different exile today. A different one than Daniel. You need to hear about somebody who left heaven. Not by force, but by choice. First Peter tells us. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So here's Jesus who's in exile from heaven he gave up the complete perfection and glory of heaven to come here to all of these earthly worldly governments and to subject himself to his own government including the Roman government and do you see what they did to him they mocked his name they mocked his mission tell us if you truly are the Christ they mocked his life's work If you truly are the Christ, come on down from that cross. And Jesus honored his government, even those ridiculing him. And he never once said, Lord, Father, you set me up to fail. Instead, time and again, he taught his disciples, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to suffer and die. I've got to give my life. I'm going to rise on the third day as well. He knew his mission. He trusted the mission. He trusted the Lord. Didn't set him up to fail. But even greater than that. The Lord set him up to forgive. And that's where Peter goes. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. God bless Jesus' perfection, his faithfulness to the word, his faithfulness to earthly government, so that each of us is still blessed right on down to today. Because in the name of Jesus, in his life, in his work, the forgiveness of sins is still proclaimed in his name. And your sins of rebellion, of conspiracy, your sins of undermining government, even God's, forgiven in your perfect savior Jesus God blessed Daniel's adherence uh, to the word and to his government as well and Daniel prospered even in exile under that, that, that difficult government and you know what he's going to bless your adherence to the word and your service to the government too the one thing you see in Daniel chapter 1 though God never promises it's going to be easy it's going to be tough it's going to help you have a healthy prayer life. And it's going to lead you back to the word. But the one thing Daniel 1 teaches us. God doesn't set us up to fail. He does set us up in faith. To follow. And to trust him wherever he leads and plans us. So that in those circumstances. That we would give to Caesar. Nope. Nope, I guess we're a little outdated. That we would give to our government what is his. And at the same time, we would give to our God what is rightfully his. Amen. Please stand. We join together in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and became truly human for he was crucified under pontius pilate he suffered death and was buried on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end we believe in the holy spirit the lord the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Heavenly Father, your word never fails, nor have you ever failed your people. Regardless of the time and the place and the circumstance, lead us to trust what you've said and promised. And may our eyes never covet the worldly plate before us or be intimidated by the pressure around us. For Jesus' sake, lead us to stand firm, to speak up, and to give to everyone what we owe, both to the government and to you. And today it begins for Harper Gupsh, as you claim her as your own. Train her by the word to own her own Christianity, that she remains by grace eternally yours and celebrates your loving rule in her heart and life. And we also ask you to watch over those who are hospitalized and hurting. It's in your name we pray as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take indeed, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always.